Hello and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN, and we are back in 2020 with a fresh episode of the Take 10 Podcast. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus uh, with the holidays, and everyone's calendar is kind of turning over to the new year, and I was actually on the road um, to help cover the Fiesta Bowl, so been a little busy and have not had time to get a new episode out until right now, but we are back. And we are ready to uh, put out a bunch of good content in 2020, starting with this episode right here. And uh, it is a good episode to kind of get us back in the groove of college basketball season. We have the uh, preeminent college basketball reporter on this show. He's a friend of the show who's been on a couple times in the past, and it's Andy Katz. Andy, if you uh, watch college basketball at all, especially BTN, you see quite a bit of Andy uh, on TV and on social media. And as we talk about here coming up, uh, Andy covers the sport from uh, pretty much every angle and for pretty much every outlet. So we talk about his uh, kind of approach to covering college basketball, less about the actual uh, play on the court because we've covered plenty of uh, college hoops with Andy in the past and wanted to get a little bit of a, a different angle. And uh, also, we will get to a lot of the X's and O's and behind-the-numbers talk later in the episode after Andy with B10 researcher Harold Shelton. So, Andy's coming up first. We talk uh, college basketball coverage. We talk travel. We talk uh, little quirks of, of um, the sport and getting around to different arenas and different towns and just kind of everything that stacks up in a college basketball season. And uh, it was a lot of fun chatting with him. And uh, like I mentioned, we do talk Big Ten basketball and plenty of it with BTN researcher Harold Shelton. If you're new to the show, Harold is on pretty much every week during football and basketball season to go behind the numbers, go in depth on uh, Big Ten basketball and uh, during the fall and early winter Big Ten football. So first up, like I said, is Andy Katz. Go about 15, 20 minutes, then another 20 minutes with Harold Shelton. And uh, we'll start with... Andy here in the BTN studio. We'll toss it over to him right now. Very pleased to welcome Andy Katz back to the show for, I believe, the third time now. If you haven't already, please follow him on Twitter at TheAndyKatz. Andy, we're back in the swing of things at Big Ten Play. Glad to have you back in the house. We're in a little rotation every Wednesday night, so welcome back. Thank you. Always great to be here on Wednesdays, although there's going to be a couple of Tuesdays I'll be here. All right. Well, looking forward to it. We're in the meat and potatoes of the schedule, like I said. And, you know, you're here Wednesday, sometimes Tuesday, like you said, but you're also many other places in the college basketball landscape. So I want to talk a little bit about your travels and a little bit about your experience, how you kind of take in the college basketball season. So to give people kind of an idea, tell me about your past week of travels and then what's coming up in the week ahead. Well, I was actually in Los Angeles all last week uh, doing um, studio for Fox. I was actually up doing a Pac-12 thing one night in San Francisco. Um, and then, uh, so I got back Monday, red-eye from Sunday night to Monday. And then uh, Monday night, just to give an example, I do a lot of these Skype things, not just with us at BTN, but also for March Madness. Plus, I do some other leagues that... March Madness likes that I do because I'm talking to different leagues and players and coaches from around the country. And so I think I over the 48 hours before I came here to Chicago, I talked to a coach in the America East, Missouri Valley, 
multiple Pac-12, WCC, Big Ten, uh, and then even uh, on Sunday, this was something for March Madness, but, um, you know, Big Ten related. Uh, right after the Michigan, Michigan State game, uh, I did a Skype with Cassius Winston, and this is a good example of like, and you know, you know how sometimes you have to do stuff like this. So I'm at Fox, and they've got caches for me on someone's phone. I think it was Max Carey's phone, uh, the SID at Michigan State, and they're in the locker room. But I was like in the in the in the uh, actually initially I was in the makeup room, and it's kind of tucked back. So I had bad reception. So I'm literally running with my laptop around the Fox area trying to get where it doesn't say poor connection also where it's quiet and uh, it was an NFL Sunday there's just a lot of stuff happening so I couldn't find a spot until I ducked into this room uh, that was quiet and I had good reception and I just put my laptop on top of a bookcase and then leaned on a chair you wouldn't know that if you looked at the little tiny screen but as I'm running around trying to find a spot and I got Cassius Winston who I've grown to know, and obviously he can be a little patient, but I'm like, hold on, Cash, I'm just trying to find a spot. Uh, and I could see him, you know, in the locker room. So sometimes I'm just like all over the place just trying to make it all work. Yeah, and for those who don't know, you kind of described it there, but you're, you're more than just a uh, talking head on TV. You got all your digital obligations going on. Uh, I should have introed it, but you are with us at BTN. You were on the Pac-12 network, like you said, in uh, the Bay Area. You do stuff for Fox, Fox Sports 1, and you have your obligations for March Madness. Did I leave anything out, or is that... Well, like I said, I do some other things for some other conferences just on Skype. Okay. But, uh, you know, so I help out the Missouri Valley, the WCC, and the America East. Um, and, you know, what has happened in not just college basketball, but across the country is as newspapers have cut back, a lot of these schools get no attention. And... Um, so, you know, they've reached out and we've talked and, and, and they like having sort of a national presence and doing, you know, um, just getting their, their players or coaches some national attention. And ultimately, what I like about it is I get closer to March and then I'll remember, you know, and I'll give you a good example here. So last year, you know, like I talked to Anthony Lamb a couple of times who, from Vermont. And, you know, so that when I'm doing like preseason stuff, then I know, okay, this is a player who you know, could be an All-American or a team that we could be talking about, you know, as a team that could win a game as a first-round upset. So all these kind of things, I, you know, they may not help me initially, but long-term, I always feel like having conversations uh, earlier in the season uh, end up helping me be familiar with a lot of different teams. Well, you're kind of a pioneer here. Like, there's nobody really covering this scale of college basketball at the volume that you do. And... I'm just curious, you know, what sort of juggling ability this takes. Because right now, as we're recording this, we're watching the Indiana Northwestern game go on right now. you got to go on set to do the halftime uh, show in just a few minutes here. So do you have some sort of system for kind of keeping the names of coaches, players, SIDs, producers like myself all straight? And how do you kind of also keep what you've said on a, a show or in an interview straight on the record so you, uh, you, know, you don't contradict yourself? Well, I mean, look, uh, that is one thing I've been able to do. Uh, is, you know, it stays in my head. Um, but I obviously need to take notes and prep and all that. And uh, I think I've gotten better in terms of my own preparation for calling games, which is something I'm indebted to Alex Birchie at Big Ten Network because he was really, you know, at ESPN in 18 years, I did two games. 
um, and they're sort of gimmicks. And, but Alex has given me a shot to do them uh, two years ago, and then last year FS1 joined in on that, and so this year I, you know, I'm doing BTN and FS1, and I love it, and it just expands my role and. And uh, so when I'm doing that, I want to make sure I'm prepared and talk to players and coaches and and all that. And so, um, you know, so there's always preparation. Uh, I can't tell you right now if you were to, like, quiz me on, you know, every player on every Big Ten team or whatever, I have to think about it. Uh, But, uh, uh, you know, I I feel like, you know, through repetition and being here all the time and, uh, you know, it always just sort of just absorbs into, into my brain. I mean, the thing that... You know, and I appreciate your comment about Pioneer and all that. I mean, the two things that I think are critical that I was in early on is that the transition um, to digital. And I know plenty of people who are in my age group um, that I, you know, worked in newspapers with or were colleagues or competitors. And a lot of them just didn't buy into simply using your phone. Um, and, you know, I to me... If you didn't get in on that and realize how things were changing, then you were going to get left behind. And that's essentially what has happened with a lot of newspaper people. Um, and I, I'll give you one good example, Alex. I, I can't remember if I've told you this before, but I go back to I was doing a Cincinnati UConn game for ESPN, and I had done sideline for that game. And Mick Cronin had gotten into it with Teddy Valentine and got, you know, the heated exchange and all that. That was the one we ran up to him, right? Yeah. yeah. But. We ended up not doing a post-game interview, I think, you know, because you end up going to the next game or whatever. But I knew, like, you know, Mick Cronin gets hot and all this. I'm like, I, I got to get this. So that was the first time I ever used my phone to just get an interview. And uh, and it ran on SportsCenter and everywhere else. And there's a photo that uh, the digital producer at the time, Ronnie Forsheimer, had on his desk because someone had taken a a um, uh, screenshot where you can see behind me interviewing Mick, the game camera guy walking by holding his camera. And it was a great example that he, Ronnie has told me that he's used before of saying, look, see, here's someone, you know, being, you know, just on the spot, you know, being reactive using their phone. And there's the $100,000 camera or whatever that's walking behind them, the traditional camera that was not being used. Um, cause you got to connect to the truck and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that was like an epiphany moment where I'm like, you know what, any way you can document something, you do it. And now obviously, you know, we use phones all the time for everything and it's great. Yeah. And the, you know, the platform you built while at ESPN, cause there's still plenty of good reporters everywhere, but you have, I think the biggest college basketball following on, on social media. And now it's kind of allowed you to be that resource when people want to get their, their message out. And, and like you said, you're willing to uh, you know, be that voice for athletes and, and do the interviews because, like you said, a lot of people are not necessarily willing to treat digital like it's on the same level as TV. But uh, you are definitely different in that regard. It's allowed you to uh, travel to all kinds of places, pretty much a different arena or studio every night. So I want to do some rapid fire questions with yep. you. Um, whether it's best arena, best airport, we'll get to a few here. Let's start with best arena, though, and do not feel obligated because you're at BTN to keep this Big Ten specific. I want to hear about the best arena you've been to in the last couple of years since you've been running around the country by atmosphere um, and by experience. So uh, I'm not saying this just because we're on BTN, but I wouldn't have said this five years ago, 
but Mackey Arena now is in my top five. And uh, I just didn't go there enough, even dating back to when I was a student at Wisconsin. I think maybe I went once then. Uh, and then nationally, I think I went a couple times during like the Hummel years, but I didn't go as frequently. And I've gone obviously a fair amount since I've been with BTN, and I love it. I love the design in terms of the sound bouncing off the ceiling. There's not a bad seat in the house. They treat you well. Um, to be honest, not to offend Indiana people, but I like I, I, I like it better. You know, Indiana Assembly Hall obviously can get really loud, but it goes out, whereas so the sound is you know sort of going that way, and there are some bad seats. Whereas Purdue keeps it all con- compact. Also, for what it's worth, I find actually Purdue is easier to get to. There it's a highway straight from Indianapolis. <laughs> Um, no back roads. Yeah, no back roads. Bloomington takes a little longer. You get the back roads. So, uh, Mackey Arena now is in my top five. All right. And it's obviously serving them pretty well. They're pretty much unbeatable at home. And then on the road, they've had some struggles. But let's move on. How about the uh, best SID? Who, who texts back all the time? Who sets you up no matter what? Who's basically throwing you alley-oops uh, regardless of their situation on the ground there? So, there are three that I've known for a long time in the Big Ten. Um, who and I, like By me saying this, I'm not disparaging anyone else and saying that they're not good as well. But um, in the Big Ten, Patrick Herb at Wisconsin, tremendous, known him forever. I mentioned Max Carey at Michigan State. And Rose Carter and I worked together when um, I was covering Fresno State. She was the SID at Fresno. Uh, they... Uh, it doesn't matter what time, when, what, they respond to me no matter what and are always incredibly helpful. What is the best airport experience you had? And I thought of this because I was just at the uh, San Jose airport like last week and I got off the plane, got my bag within 10 minutes and the Uber pickup was right outside. That's all I need. It, it was perfect. And then when I went back, breakfast had no line, the gate had no line, security had no line. Where have you found is the easiest to get in and out of and, uh, you know, most convenient? Ooh, um, that's a tough one because a lot of them are difficult to get to. Or deal like LAX, with. they just stopped the Uber oh, pickup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was there this past week. Not fun. Um, I mean, uh, I will say this, that I've gone, um, you know, I'm a bit of a fan of... Uh, of SeaTac and Portland, I haven't gone there a lot, but I've gone there a few times um, and enjoy those airports. Um, you know, if you have to connect, uh, Minneapolis to me is a good airport to to be in. Uh, I like Detroit too. The only problem is just I always have bad luck in terms of land at one area and have to go completely the other. Mm-hmm. But you know, for someone who's now got to spend a lot of time in airports. I find that the, the food op- options at Minneapolis and Detroit uh, are pretty good. All right. And speaking of transportation, what's the worst part of the kind of behind-the-scenes transportation experience? You know, it could be the Uber driver who's weird or, you know, some, some part of the... Or the car stinks. The car, yeah, the car, either the rental or the Uber car stinks or some sort of thing that we don't see that you have to grapple with daily. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, we could write scripts on plane behavior. <laughs> um, you know, that's a, that's a problem People constantly. People taking their shoes off. Yeah, and, and, and disregarding when someone has a connection. 
they always make the announcement and yet people still disregard it. Um, but I would also say that uh, it doesn't take much effort to be kind. Um, you know, I, I'm always amazed that how often people, you'll see people struggling and anytime it's in within my area, I always get up and try to help people, you know, put their bag up if they look like, you know, they need it. Or, if, and actually on this, um, uh, this is a story today and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it just seemed natural, okay, um, getting on the plane, getting off the plane at O'Hare today, there was a mother with her uh, toddler who had just fallen asleep and, you know, she's got the toddler over her shoulder and I'm a father and I've been there and she's got to try to get her bags up above. So, you know, I was like, so I helped brought her bags all the way out to the gate area because why not? I was literally right behind her. Why should I watch her struggle to try to balance jackets and a bag and a child? So and I'm not saying other people wouldn't do it, but there are often times where I scratch my head like, come on, like we can be kinder. It's a valuable message. All right, one or two more questions, Andy, before we wrap up. I know you got to get to the show. Um, there's another college basketball reporter out there who, you know, has a similar uh, high profile on social media and he started selling some merchandise. He's yes, also John a friend Rossi. of the show. John Rossi. He's been on once. Um, have you ever thought about getting your own line of clothes or, or maybe something out there? I don't know what it, what it might be. Maybe it's a, a travel book or something like that but you thought about hawking some merch on uh, online? I have not. Uh, maybe I should. Now John obviously does a good job with his little sayings and it has caught on. So hey, I give him all the credit in the world that he's marketing that. We do, you know, when we're on the road together, you do get recognized. So yes. there's some visibility my there. Son, my son, you know, it's funny because my son was with me last week when we were in California. And we were in San Francisco on the street and a couple of random people came up to me. And he keeps saying to me, he goes, I just don't get it, Dad. I don't <laughs> get it. You're just you. I don't understand why these people get excited to see you and want a picture with you. It's happened to me one time. My dad was in a band back in the day that had some regional popularity. We were on the street at the Final Four in St. Louis, 2005, and he got recognized. And uh, I must have had that similar experience as uh, Sal. Is that your? Yes. Yeah, so we had, we've both been there. Uh, all right, wrapping up, Andy. Speaking of your family, your daughter sang the national anthem at a Michigan game last year. Olivia Decker, another broadcaster's daughter, singing the national anthem. A broadcaster herself, actually, uh, before she works the sideline for the Wisconsin-Illinois game tonight. If you got up there, could you remember all the words to the national anthem right now? Because it is a tough song. Yes. Uh, I would argue it's one of the harder songs to sing. And talking to my daughter about it, who is a singer, uh, she definitely agrees with that. And um, I think I would remember all the words. I would not want to be in that position. It takes a lot of guts to get in front of 10,000, 16,000, whatever, to do that. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, anyone that goes up and tries to do it. I give them a lot of credit. All right. Well, your daughter did a great job. I saw that video. You obviously did a great job for us and for uh, plenty of other outlets, and we appreciate your willingness to, to do it, and uh, especially us in the, the digital space. So we're following along the rest of the season, and we'll uh, let you go here and, and make some more TV. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks once again to Andy for joining me. Uh, definitely appreciate his hard work and willingness to work alongside us in the digital space and the podcast space and uh, definitely follow him on twitter and follow btn on all social platforms you want to see more of his college basketball coverage that he talked about during the episode all right we'll toss it over now to harold shelton btn's researcher 
for his regular Stat Head segment where we'll talk all things Big Ten basketball, catch everyone up in the new year, especially those who maybe weren't focusing as, as uh, tightly on Big Ten hoops in uh, the college football season. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of those fans out there that pay a lot closer attention now that football's in the rearview mirror. But we've got stuff for the diehards out there like me as well as uh, Harold breaks down, use his, uses his extensive knowledge to uh, catch us up and fill us in the Big Ten basketball world. All right, we'll let Harold take it from here. It's the Stathead segment with H, and it starts right now. All right, we're back in the lab in 2020 with Harold Shelton, BTN's in-house researcher and Stathead. H, it's been a while. When we last chatted, uh, we had football games to be played. It was still 2019. The holidays were still ahead of us. Now we're on the other side of it. So how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Happy New Year. I think there's uh, you could say that as much as you want, as late in the year as you want. My dad used to say it in March to people that he saw for the first time, so I'm going to kind of go by that same attitude. You're not one of those guys that, uh, or one of those people that you know, gets annoyed after January third or whatever, people are still saying it. I still Absolutely got, not. I still got my my Christmas tree up. So, oh, same. Yeah, that thing's not coming down until there's a day so where I there's like nothing it. to do, and like you look at it, it's starting to turn brown. It's like I better get that out of here. Yeah, so, but other than that, I mean, yeah. So unfortunately, we're not sitting here with a national championship game to look forward to in yeah, the big time. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I thought Ohio State was a better team, but just didn't make enough plays when it mattered. Yeah, I didn't want to reopen old wounds. I will say. Um, there are games where I think fans don't really have a right to say officiating had a determining factor in the outcome. I think that game was one of those games where they did have a right to, to say, hey, you know, calls go the other way. This game probably turns out different. I also think if J.K. Dobbins either doesn't get banged up or finishes one or two of those plays, the game could be completely different. Uh, tough loss, and again, don't want to relitigate it too much, but... Um, Still a wild game. Best game I've ever been at in person. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, the fact that you got to see all of that talent run around on the field, the the way that Ohio State punched Clemson in the mouth early, uh, 16-0 probably should have been a lot more. Yeah. You know, Dobbins drops two touchdowns. Uh, if he catches those, I, I highly doubt Clemson comes back. But, you know, give Clemson credit. They did fight back, and, you know, they made plays when they needed to, and Ohio State, you know, came up one play short. I was so close to tweeting something like, oh, Clemson probably should have played someone this year. They're looking slow. They're looking out of place. I'm glad I didn't because it would have been old takes exposed. Yep. It would have been ratioed really shortly after uh, after I hit send. So I'm glad I had some restraint there. But uh, let's move on. Let's move into basketball season. Ohio State, you know, at least for their fans, they have a good basketball team to look forward to, even though they're, they're struggling a little bit right now. Let's talk conference play in general now that we're back in the full swing of things and i just want to start at a bird's eye view with uh the trend that is has taken hold in the conference and it's kind of more extreme than i can ever remember and that's the home teams just absolutely dominating uh home teams so far entering wednesday january 8th play they're 23 and 3 on their home court first what do you attribute that to and do you remember such a Disparity uh, between home and road results in the time you've been here? Uh, I just think that it means that it's a really, really deep league, that there are a lot of teams that are clustered together, and home court can just be a deciding factor in that. Uh, normally, if you have some separation, you know, the top teams can go to the middle 
and win and it's not a big deal. But when there's not a lot of separation, you see games like this. I mean, we've seen Nebraska beat Iowa and Purdue at home, and most people thought, you know, they would be a bottom two team in the conference. Uh, even Northwestern, you know, they're still winless, but they pushed Michigan State, you know, all the way to mm-hmm. the end in Evanston uh, back in December. And so the fact that, you know, the teams 13 and 14 that were projected can still push the top teams or in the middle teams and, and actually beat some of them just going to show it kind of goes to show the depth of the league and you know I think that trend's probably going to hold the rest of the year. I feel like a talking point has been and it's been mostly true in the last few years like you know the parody of the Big Ten is pretty deep and, and you know noteworthy and I, I think that's you know the case even more so this year do you think it's the deepest the conference has been considering you know you might have potentially 10 to 12 teams right now who could say hey like our resume heading into mid-january is being built for march right now these games matter for up to 12 teams right now the conference yeah i i think that this is the year that you know the big 10 could potentially get double digit teams in a tournament um, I think anything less than nine would honestly be a disappointment the mm-hmm. way that the league is. You know, I mean, we've been running graphics on TV for the last week talking about how many teams are in the top 50 of the net. And, you know, we keep going back and forth between 11 and 12, depending on where Illinois falls into that. Um, I know on Sunday when, when I last looked, you know, the Big Ten at 12 and no other conference had more than seven in the top 50. And so it just kind of goes to show all of those games that we talked about early, you know, setting the narrative, these the holiday tournaments, Gavit games, Big Ten ACC, the fact that the Big Ten was able to more than hold their own. Now they could just play each other and build great resumes based off of quality wins, quad one and two type wins that you're going to have pretty much every time you play. Yeah, there's so much better shape than we thought maybe the first week or two of basketball season we were talking and, and kind of preparing for what looked like it could be a down year. But instead, like you said, the, the quantity of teams that could potentially get in the NCAA tournament is as high as it's ever been. Um, you know, Speaking of preseason themes that are kind of coming full circle, Michigan State looks to be back in the driver's seat. You know, they, when we last chatted, were going through uh, a little bit of adversity um, Cassius Winston was not, you know, himself for for reasons outside of his control, and the team was scuffing a little bit, a little bit at that point. But now, you know, undefeated in conference play, um, look to be the strongest team, most complete team in the Big Ten. What's your take on your alma mater? Just having followed them as close as you have, um, I think, you know, part of it is that they accidentally found their best five. Um, you know, Cassius obviously is the, the straw that stirs the drink. But they're still trying to figure out the four spot. They're still trying to figure out the shooting guard spot with Langford being out. And Rocket Watts was that guy for a while, but he's not the shooter that Langford was or that McQuay was from a year ago. Uh, Once he got hurt, they put Gabe Brown in the starting lineup. And now you have a lineup that can switch everything when you got Henry and Brown on the wing. Bingham has been a, a very nice addition at the four. He seems to be playing, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game and rim protector, makes smile shy shots. Uh, you know, they're, they're killing people on the glass with all that length and that, that athleticism. So I think that's a big part of it. And obviously, Cassius is kind of turning back into the Cassius we saw from a year ago. Um, you could kind of tell that he's slowly coming out of out of it. I mean, obviously, you know, 
the pain that's going to last, you know, with his brother's death, that's not going to go away. But it seems like he still was able to find an avenue to have some fun again. You can see it on the court. He's smiling. He's laughing with guys. And they seem to respond to that. And we are kind of looking at the schedule earlier, and you were saying how they better, you know, feast now, stack some wins, because it gets pretty tough coming up in February. Yeah, big time. I mean, I think it certainly helped to have Rutgers at home and Northwestern on the road as their first two conference games. Rutgers wasn't really playing as well yet as they are now either. Exactly. And so I think it certainly helped to get that. And then they start with three home games, you know, right as conference play begins again, you know, with Illinois, Michigan, and Minnesota on Thursday. They had a lot of home games to start. Uh, obviously, tri- tricky game at Purdue this weekend, but you still get Wisconsin at home, you get Northwestern at home, winnable games at Indiana and Minnesota. But once February hits, like you're at Wisconsin, you're at Michigan, you're at, at Illinois, you're at Maryland, you, you know, you get Penn State twice, you know, you still got Iowa. I mean, it's, it's going to get real. And so we're going to find out a whole lot more about them. All right. Well, they look like the best team in the conference, like I said. But this time, you know, a few weeks ago when we were, were chatting, it looked like Ohio State was the most complete team in the conference, maybe even in the country. They are close to number one ranking. They're sitting on three straight losses right now. Are you concerned about them? Do you think this kind of Paul will last, uh, you know, as we move through the Big Ten season? They, they've had some issues with guys missing games. That's contributed to their struggles for sure. How concerned are you about them, and do you think they will uh, come out of this little slump? I'm not too concerned. I feel like every Big Ten team is going to have a slump where they lose three straight, yep. three out of four, four out of five, just because of how strong the league is. And so if you, you get a stretch where – you know, you're at Maryland, at Minnesota, home Wisconsin, you know, I mean, the fact that the Minnesota one was a little surprising, but, you know, that's life in the Big Ten. And if you don't come to play, you you know, you're going to have an issue. Uh, Obviously, a well-scouted league, we saw, you know, DJ Carton, who looked great against Kentucky, could have been the best player on the court against Kentucky. Tendencies get out, and coaches start game planning against that. And he was pretty good last night against Maryland, but before that, the West Virginia game, Wisconsin game, he was really bad. And so I think part of it is that tendencies are coming out on these freshmen, and they have to adjust, and they really miss Kyle Young. You know, he's out with the appendectomy, and he's a guy that you didn't have to run anything for, but he could still give you all the energy stuff, all the hustle stuff, loose ball, second chances. You know, he could score – eight points a game without having to run a single play for them, and they missed that right now. So with them sliding a little bit right now, uh, Maryland's probably the second-best team in the conference, at least in my opinion. I don't know if you agree with that, but they've kind of stabilized. I was worried about their team mindset after losing like they did to Seton Hall. Uh, looks like that's in the rearview mirror. They only have two losses on the season right now. How do you think the Terps have kind of uh, stabilized after especially that disappointing result and, and coming off a win over Ohio State on Tuesday night? They got all the talent in the world. I mean, you know, Collins has been there for what seems like 100 years, and, you know, obviously he's, you know, one of the best playing guards in the Big Ten and arguably the country. Uh, you know, Sticks has been awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that, you know, a 6'10 guy can step out and shoot like that and still protect the rim playing with four other guards. He's not complaining about it. He's just going out and doing his job. You know, Wiggins, Ayala, like they have some guys. And, you know, they were picked top 10 for a reason. I thought it was a little high, but once I saw how the rest of the country looked, I mean, it, it seems about right. You know, I'm still kind of waiting to see on them. 
you know, they they have the capability of dropping a game or two. They shouldn't. We saw that with the Penn State game, you know, last month. Mm-hmm. So they got to find a way to avoid these really slow starts that they seem to have. They seem to kind of take the first 10 minutes off of each game and then kind of figure it out after that. Uh, when you go on the road in conference play, like those type of things will bite you. Exactly. And I want to talk about the other East Coast team. They're probably the biggest news in the Big Ten right now. That's Rutgers. And, and you know, we kind of thought, and a lot of people thought, that Rutgers might be a year away from making NCAA tournament noise, being on the bubble. I thought the NIT this year would be a nice step for them. But now, sitting at, uh, you know, 12-3, and three, I believe, um, their fans and, and their players and and just kind of everyone involved with Rutgers basketball is starting to believe, and rightfully so, that this could be the year that, you know, they make a push for the NCAA tournament. Do you think they can do it this year? And that's, you know, with Geo Baker hopefully coming back soon. They've won a couple games without him. Do you think they can keep this going uh, beyond, you know, early January here and make a push for March? Yeah, I think it's certainly possible. Um, the fact that they had the Seton Hall win, I think, will loom large. Seton Hall's kind of figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do well in the Big East, that's only going to help Rutgers' resume. Crush them. Yeah, exactly. Crush them. Um, the fact that they beat Seton Hall and Penn State, that's they've won three game, three times in the last four games against ranked teams, so they're not just doing it against, you know, also Rams. Like, they're actually beating good competition. They're going to see a lot more of that. I mean, if they get to, you know, 10-10 and 10 in the league, that might be enough, and it'd be a great story. I mean, Steve Peichel could, you know, potentially win Big Ten Coach of the Year if that happens. You know, the fact that you've got Rutgers and Penn State, uh, who happen to play each other on, on Tuesday, both fighting for uh NCAA tournament berth in the same year could potentially break long droughts for both of them. It'd be great. And to kind of play off your point about Rutgers, if you just look from a month ago, Right now, efficiency-wise, they're fourth in the country. Mm-hmm. They're behind Duke, Michigan State, and Kansas. They're 5-1, and one, and the one loss was at Michigan State. So, I mean, Rutgers is playing really, really well right now. Yeah, they lost to St. Bonaventure a month ago in kind of that weird game in Toronto. I, I was like, right. well, there it is. You know, They'll probably be interesting this year, but not ready, and they've completely turned it around since then. It'd be the first. Defense travels, man. Absolutely. And those guys are tough. It's the best start since 1975-76 season. Mm-hmm. Um, that unbeaten season they had, it would be the first tournament appearance since 91, I believe, which would be wild. And they're not really missing Eugene Omarui at all. No. I mean, the fact that they've had other guys step up. You know, Jacob Young's played really well the last three, four games. You know, Montez Mathis is, you know, provided some athleticism. Miles Johnson's an animal. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that they're able to win, you know, a couple games impressively without Geo Baker kind of speaks to the depth that they have. Yeah, they're fun to watch. And, uh, team that's I want to talk about just because they're so interesting and uh, the discrepancy is so stark is Purdue. It's another team that, that plays tough, that, that, you know, gets in your face, is, you know, the cliche of being gritty. That's Purdue. And we see them at home. They look like world beaters sometimes. They, they blew Virginia out. Um, they, they've, you know, we see what they can do in Mackey with the home court advantage, but then they'll go on the road and put up a you know program nearly program worst point total and they go to Illinois and only score 37. So why do they seem to be the ultimate representation kind of the extreme example of how the Big 10 is so home court friendly this year? I just think they have a lot of trouble scoring the ball. Um, and you know, I guess that could be expected when you lose Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein, you know, guys who 
both made you know a million threes mm-hmm. <laughs> seemed like last year and some of those guys just haven't stepped up that we thought you know Aaron Wheeler you know has been better but hasn't taken the huge leap that people thought you know Jahai Proctor's kind of been hit or miss you know Matt Harms has been really good but obviously he can only do so much Trevion Williams is still kind of hit or miss no Joe Eastern hasn't taken that next step as a scorer but, you know, at home, everybody feels good. The role players play a lot better. And a lot of times, you know, stars usually play well no matter what. But role players seem to play a lot better at home than they do away from home. And when you have arguably the best home court advantage in the Big Ten, you can wind up winning some games like that, which is why I'm really nervous about that Michigan State game <laughs> this weekend. Right. And Stefanovic gets hot. Exactly. And, you know, he, he seems to really feel it at home. Uh, Purdue's one of those teams that's kind of what I – they fall into what I am going to term the blob, you know, kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's all these teams that are 500 in the Big Ten that look like it's going to be tough for them to, because, you know, because they are all pretty talented, tough for them to sink below a certain level, but also uh, unless a few of them go on a, a quite a run, going to be hard for them to rise above a certain ceiling. So I would throw them in there. I'd throw Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota. I might be missing a team or two, but those are the teams that come to mind. When I think about that, that middle pack, who of those teams do you think has maybe a higher ceiling than, than a couple of the other ones? Who might make a run and go 12-8 and eight or 13-7 in the Big Ten? Um, any of those teams jump out at you now that we've seen kind of what they got through 15 games or so? Um, I think Wisconsin is certainly the most interesting of that bunch. Uh, the fact that you know they were able to win at Tennessee by 20, mm-hmm. followed that up by winning at Ohio State. They kind of, you know, and they've they've had guys who've been around the block. You know, Demetri Trice, Brad Davison, you know, guys who have played in big games. You know, I think they were still trying to figure out what they were. You know, without Ethan Happ, and obviously that defense is starting to play a lot better, and they're kind of figuring out their roles. Um, I think that's the team that you might want to watch out for as teams try to fight for that that double buy that or that you know that top six ish. Mm-hmm. I would say I could see them being in that conversation all the way up until the final weekend. All right, and for those who are just maybe getting past football season, you know, kind of coming around to basketball now. I'm sure there are plenty of fans out there who start to pay attention to basketball more as we get deeper into winter. Who are some names that we need to know? when we're watching Big Ten basketball, whether that's uh, freshmen or transfers. There's a lot of guys that this year, before this year, I hadn't really heard of, and they're contributing at a high level now in the Big Ten. A um, couple guys off the top of my head, you know, being an Illinois grad, watching a lot of their games, Kofi Coburn has made a huge impact, and uh, just a guy from Media Day that I thought was really funny and a personal dude is Cam Mack, who's been making noise at Nebraska. So who are some guys that, uh, you know, if you're – settling in to watch a lot more Big Ten basketball this month through March that people need to keep an eye on. I like the Cam Mack pick for sure. Um, the fact that Nebraska pretty much had a whole new team. Outside of Thor, uh, no one really knew anybody that mm-hmm. was coming back. You know, they had a lot of transfers, you know, a whole new coach, a whole new roster, a whole new coaching staff. And they're easy to root for too. Like they, uh, they, they play a fun style. You know, Fred Hoiberg likes to you know run up and down, shoot a lot of threes. They're really smart. They get killed on the glass every night, but they'll try to you know get layups and make threes, and hopefully that style wins. The fact that Cam Mack has come in, he's already had four games with at least ten assists. You know, already had the first triple double in school history. Right. You know, that's a guy. 
And that's a guy who's been really, really good, really fun to watch. Definitely the emotional leader of that team. And another point guard who's been really good, obviously, is is Marcus Carr from Minnesota. I mean, he has been a stud. Uh, You could see why they wanted him eligible a year ago. The fact that, you know, he completely controlled that Ohio State game. Pretty much, I mean, he had them in position to win at Purdue, had some struggles late in the game. But that's a guy who's been really, really fun to watch as well. A lot of good point guards in this league. Yeah, him and O'Tour are crazy one-two punch. Those guys are talented. Between him and Garza, I mean, you got two of the best bigs in the league. You got a lot of really good point guards. There's just a lot of really talented players in this league in general. A couple freshmen I want to point out, too. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis in Indiana. DJ Carton on Ohio State. A couple guys that will probably join, uh, you know, Coburn and, and potentially um, a few other of these newcomers on the Big Ten all-freshman team this year. So Yeah. Trace Jackson Davis is kind of quietly going about his business. Uh, you know, Indiana. They don't really have any stars in Indiana. Exactly. A lot of guys. A lot of, guys, a lot of contributors. Um, probably, you know, to their detriment sometimes, you need guys to step up. Devontae Green has been... Uh, really good at times, but uh, you know, you know, Jackson it's kind of Davis. been a story for him. He's yeah. been really good at times. <laughs> well, he's the cheat so code, right? He's the uh, he's the guy with the tattoo on his arm. That's the uh, cheat code uh, combo, whatever you want to call it. Exactly. So, and, so he can get hot. And sometimes you see it, and other times, you know, they they really struggle. Um, they're, but they're they're an interesting team. They've had some issues shooting the ball recently. You know, lost two in a row. It's a team that. Kind of needs to get it together. Indiana, I wouldn't say, is the most patient fan base for hoops. And so uh, getting back to their winning ways would certainly be helpful. All right. Well, glad to be back. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I love this time of year. I'm a big basketball fan. Um, and it's good to be talking ball with you in the studio. And we'll get back at it next week. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks once again to Harold and Andy for joining me. Two uh, absolute rock stars at BTN, two guys who do their job very well, and two guys who are very fun to talk to as often as possible, and I'll talk a lot more with Harold coming up throughout the rest of the season. Looking forward to that, and looking forward to coming back with uh, more great guests as Big Ten basketball season continues to churn along here in the month of January, February, and into March. Quick reminder before we uh, move along here, if you have not already, please subscribe and uh, rate the show on our platforms where the Take 10 Podcast is available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play for Android, Podbean, and there's also a uh, stream available on the Big Ten Network YouTube channel. So please rate and leave a review if you like the show. If you do not like the show, just keep that one or two star review in your back pocket we don't need it and uh keep coming back and listening because we really appreciate it also appreciate Wes white for producing this show him and julie bronder always do a great job shout out to them and shout out to everyone out there for listening back at you next week here on the take 10 podcast